0: Welcome, we're having, starting in January, we're doing three services, 8.30, 10.30, 12.30. I'm going to announce that every week until we start it. And then when we start it, I'm still going to keep announcing it. So um, there will be a 12.30 service. Can you imagine? I'm going to be hungry. It's going to be terrible. Um, So it's going to be great, not terrible. What'd I say? So uh, are y'all awake? When I say something mildly funny, you have to pretend like it's funny. (laughs) We're all going to agree that it's funny, okay? Ay, ay, ay. So um, a few weeks ago, I said, hey, we need some more kids workers. We don't have enough kids workers, and we need some kids workers. I said it nicer than that, but and I really laid it on. As thick as I possibly could, I laid it on. And the following week, we got zero more youth uh, kids workers. So that's not good. So I'm like, are y'all even listening? Which is cool because last week when I said it, this, this past week, we got several people that, that wanted to join. And in case you think that you're off the hook, you are not. We still need more kids workers. So if this is your church, you're a member here, then please work with the kids. They're terrible. Just want to be clear. It's not, I'm not trying to like sweet talk you. It's a miserable time. There are some things. Okay. Raise your hands if you work in the kids' department in any any time. So, ask those people; they'll tell you. <laughs> it's it's actually there's it's rewarding at times because you'll you'll um, the a kid will come up to you and ask you to pray for them, and uh, and it's just it's a beautiful thing when you see some growth in a, in a kid and you don't know. Like, you don't know what those kids go home to. Some of you know the whole family, so. but there are a lot of kids that you don't know what they go home to, and, and you get to have a little window into their life and, and be able to speak life into them, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a wonderful, supernatural opportunity. So please, uh, it's not all bad. It's just mostly bad. It's, so I just want you guys to, to join. I'm not trying to, I don't want you coming back to me later saying, you told me it was going to be great when we went in there, and it was not great. It's good. There's a lot of things that you learn from it. You'll learn a lot about yourself. You'll learn a lot about your Christianity if you go work with the kids. So go work with the kids. So um, we also, last week, I asked for people to, to give for this. Um, the, we have this missionary friend that is in the Philippines. And I asked you to just give $6.50 and it gives a family a bag of rice for Christmas. Y'all overwhelmingly supported that. And now he was asking to get... He said, our, the whole thing we want to do is, he said, he's asked several groups, we just want to give um, 100 bags of rice away. So $650. Y'all gave more than that last week. And so because of that, other people joined with the, the giving too. And he was able to buy, check us out. He was able to buy 400 bags of rice and go to the wholesale because they got it for cheaper because they bought it all at once. That is such a great, it's such a great thing. You can do the small things you do, when we have this group, this, the body of Christ, you have this group that, that all joins together. You can do little things. Each of us does little things like work in a kids' department. And, and it, it makes, a, <laughs> makes a wonderful thing that a big thing happens when a lot of people do little things together, right? So um, there's one more thing I want to say that, that doesn't have to do with, uh, with the message, but we sang this song. Um, when I fight, I will fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Y'all were singing like all out. With my hands lifted high... You know, and it's like this masculine thing for a lot of guys to like, not really, I don't want to put myself in a position of surrender. Men don't want to surrender. You know, w- whenever you look at, at, the, at, at worship as, as being something that is weakness, you're really going to be disappointed when you start reading in the Bible and you realize that these tough, burly, masculine men, you are called the bride of Christ. The bride, guys. We're the bride, and you, to be before the Lord, you can be weak, you can be humbled, you can be surrendered, and it's a safe place. So when you, you battle with your hands lifted high, your hands have to be lifted high. When I fight, I will fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. This is okay, guys. It's okay to be submitted to the Lord and surrendered, all right? So, also, so I have to, we usually do this, the part of the message where we do a culture update. I want to give you a, a, a quick local culture update, and then I'll, I'll talk about what's going on in the world. Um, last night, we were able to host a worship night for another church, a, a new church in town, and... Um, well, they're newer than us. They're not new. They're over a year old. But, um, so we were able to host it because they, they um, meet in an elementary school, and they can't use the elementary school on Saturday night, so we were able to use our building for that. It's such a, it's such a great thing. The body of Christ united. You know, it's beautiful. I'm going to talk about that some more. But um, Jessica came up. Jessica said, y'all have to be done by 9. And then she looked at them, and so they were like, they were done by 9. Okay. <laughs> There were plenty done by nine. And so um, she came up here to set up the church to make it look good for for everyone in the morning. And so I, I checked the... We have a camera that points straight to the back. And I checked the camera a little after nine to see... Who else was there if there were any other people there? And as I'm literally, I open the camera, and as I'm looking at the camera, I was just going to check to see if there's any cars in the parking lot. I'm looking at the camera. A vehicle pulls in, the back's over here, and it pulls right next to our little shed that we have the mower and the the yard tools in. And then we see a guy with bolt cutters starting to cut open the lock. So I was like, oh, no, it's go time. So I, I grabbed my grandson and threw him in the truck. I threw him in the truck. Okay. And then I, well, I flew up here. I called 911 on the way. I was like, hey, there's a break in 360 McKenna. I can't talk to you about it. I can't describe anything. Get people there. I got to call my wife so she doesn't go outside. If she knew there were bad guys outside, she would go outside. Okay. <laughs> she ain't got a brain. So don't tell her I said that. Hey, babe, you're listening online right now. I love you. So, uh, so I come up here. They're gone, fortunately for everyone because someone else would be preaching right now if they weren't gone. So, uh, Cause I'd be in jail. <laughs> Cause I'm holy, okay. Um, so the uh, the cops are there. They they swarm all around. It's like five units all at once. It was great. And so I tell them and I show them the video of the vehicle and we had really good like clear video of the vehicle and everything. And he says, "All right, we'll watch the area and uh, and just like we'll file a report, send us your pictures and everything." So I'm like, "Okay, cool." So I go home and get some four-inch screws to put in the door to drill the door because he broke the lock off. Look, there's, it's a padlock, and he had bolt cutters, and he cut the handle. And it took him like three minutes to cut the handle. Could have cut the padlock in like two seconds, but he's like gnawing away. Criminal mastermind, okay? So he... So he, he I come up here, and, I, and, I, and as I'm coming up here, there's a police a unit parked over there in the shade in the dark. I'm like, sweet, they're watching. The, this is great. So, um, so I put the screws in the thing, and then I go home. Forty-five minutes later, the camera thing goes off again, and there's, like, lights flashing behind the building. In the, there's a little parking lot in the back, um, and, and they had pulled somebody over, and it looked like the vehicle. So I'm like, sweet. So I come up here. It's like Midnight at this point okay and uh so i showed all the guys the 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 pictures and the video and everything and and the guy's standing by the vehicle and he's like look we didn't go over we haven't even been here and the the police officer's like well yeah like look at this like we we see you were here he's like all right well we were there but but we weren't we never went over to the church and it's like look at the we you were at the church he's like all right we went to the church but we didn't do anything (laughs) It's like guy listen watch the video we have video of you breaking into the shed. He's like, all right, we've broken the shed, but we didn't take anything. Like he couldn't carry the riding lawnmower out of the shed. He took our gas can, but he didn't. there's really nothing of value in there just to protect the lawnmower. So anyway, they arrested the guy. He had a couple of warrants for burglary. <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't learned his lesson yet. So uh, they arrested him, and now, I mean, he's, gonna, he's going to jail. So it's, it all worked out, and it's fine. But um, one of the police officers that goes to church here wanted me to tell you, when you don't leave your, your weapon in your vehicle overnight. He also wanted me to say, you dummies. Do you know how many times that happens? Police are called because somebody left their, their gun in their car, and their car got—I mean, their vehicle, their weapon got stolen out of their car. Don't leave it. Take it inside the house, Okay. This is going to go really well. (laughs) Okay. So uh, I don't know if you saw in the news, uh, the the dictator in China uh, visited San Francisco. It's important that we call him a dictator to ease tensions between the countries. Um, So um, he came to San Francisco, and not only did he go to San Francisco, but it was clean. It's amazing what the government can do when they want to do something. They cleaned the streets of San Francisco and made it look beautiful, like the the cities in China look, beautiful and nice and clean. And so if they want to do something, they can. So just so you know, your government can do what they want to do if they want to do something good. Also, um, I saw this, and I I couldn't believe it because the people that I know, this doesn't jive with. 68% of Americans are for a ceasefire in Israel not the Americans I know, but 68% apparently. Um, so let me, let me oversimplify what's going on. So some people break into your house and they shoot and kill some of your family members, and then you start shooting back, and then the criminals are like, no, 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 wait, no shooting. That's what they're asking for, a ceasefire. No, no, we're going to shoot. And, and like hopefully no one that's innocent will get killed, but we're going to respond to what's going on. Now, That being said, that's their war. That is not America's war. I think that America needs to stay out of it. That's my opinion. Now, when I say America needs to stay out, we don't need to send money to them because we have problems of our own. What we're doing is they're printing money. We're in enormous debt that that debt will not be wiped out in any of our lifetimes that we will be in debt for a long time. And so uh, we need to take care of problems at home before we go and start solving other people's problems with the, the uh, resources that we need to use to solve our problems. So um, as Christians... We need to be praying for that situation over there. We need to be especially praying for the believers that are over there, that they would be able to preach the gospel, and that people would come to know the Lord, because that is the most important thing that we do on this planet, is introduce people to Jesus, right? Good, because I'm going to introduce y'all to Jesus today, previously on the Gospel of John. I'm not going to introduce, but most of you know Jesus. Um, Jesus is on his last evening with the disciples. We are on, this is message number 76 of the Gospel of John. Don't laugh, okay? It's only because y'all are hard-headed and y'all listen slow, okay? That's why it's taking so long. Listen faster. Um, so he's, uh, Jesus has been giving the, the, la- the instructions to his disciples. And the entire chapter 17 is a prayer. We're going to finish chapter 17 today. It's verses uh, 20 through 26. And Jesus prays for the beginning of the chapter, Jesus praying for himself. The middle of the chapter, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And this part of the chapter, Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for us today, the believers today. This is exciting right? Y'all seem super excited, okay? Um, I want to remind you, Thanksgiving is this week. We do not have service on Wednesday. Don't bring your kids up here to church because you are going to have to take them back home. You told them they were going to get to go to church, and they're not because we're not going to be here. Um, So you get to spend time with your kids on Wednesday. (laughs) They're like, oh! But next Sunday, we're starting our Christmas series. I love the Christmas series. Uh, Do you like... Raise your hand if you love Christmas music. I love Christmas music. Put your hands down. Raise your hand, Ebenezer Scrooge, if you hate Christmas music. Oh, look at Troy. Our drummer, by the way, hates Christmas music. Well, guess what? Our new series is called Songs of Life, and we're going to talk about some Christmas songs. Ha! And he's, guess what? He's going to have to play them. Ha! He's like, I'll play it, but I ain't smiling. Mm. Um, we're going to talk about some Christmas carols and how the gospel is preached through these Christmas carols, and it's going to be fun, and I love, love, love Christmas music. It's just, it's the best. So, John chapter 17. I do not pray, Jesus praying, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who, will, he's, he had just finished praying for the disciples. He's like, I'm not just praying for these disciples here, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they, may all, they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Do you believe? I know that you, didn't, you weren't expecting me to ask a question. Only a few of you answered. I'm going to ask again. Do you believe? Yes. If you answered yes there, everyone didn't, and that's okay. That means that Jesus was praying for you. Isn't that cool? Jesus was literally praying for you. And not only was he praying for you at this time in history, but he's, he was still praying for you right now at this moment. In Hebrews, it says, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who, came, who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Right now, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus, can you imagine if, like just on the other side of that door, remember when the nursery was back here? Some of you don't, but the nursery used to be back there. and We could always hear the kids. Can you imagine if on the other side of that door, you could hear Jesus praying for you. Like you could hear his voice with your ears, him praying for you. Not just, like he's praying for you by name, but he's also praying for you by issue. Like he knows the, the, the innermost parts of you and he's praying for, the, for you for those things that you're struggling with deep down in your being. And he's, he's, can you imagine that if you knew that clearly, you could hear it with your ears, a million enemies could attack you and you would be like, I got this like I am going to win. I have victory in him. Jesus is praying for me. Jesus is praying for me. Like the Jesus, Mr. Christ is praying for me right now. And like I can, how could can I be defeated? Greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. I know that I have victory. And that's what's happening right now. Jesus is praying for you. It doesn't matter how far away he is physically because he's praying for you right now. We, if we, Once we get the, the, um, a clear concept, a clear idea of our identity in Christ and who Jesus is and what he's doing, we start to walk in victory. We start to walk no longer bowing our head in defeat because the world is, is winning against us, but we start to walk with our chest puffed up like... Jesus is behind me. If Jesus is behind me, nobody can defeat me. Like, I'm going to do what he's called me to do. I already have the victory. I'm going to win. Are y'all with me on this? And y'all should be a little more excited. I'm just saying. Like, I'm excited. Y'all should be more excited. So he said, may they be one as you, Father, are in me. So we're going to talk about our unity in the church. The, the, the unity in the church should be like Jesus' unity with the Father. Uh, That unity causes us us to be a couple of things. One, it causes us to be dependent on God. When we're unified and we're unified in him, it causes us to be dependent on him. Even though Jesus himself was fully God, he chose to be dependent upon the Father. It says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Judgment is something that Christians have a really hard time with because it's just that you don't have a real clear understanding. When you're like, no one can judge me, well, that's not true. How can you tell if something's good or bad if you don't judge it? How can you tell if you should do something or you shouldn't do something if you don't judge it? How can you tell if someone should be, it should be allowed to come into your house and be around your children if you don't judge them? You're, you're passing a judgment and you can say you don't, not me. I don't judge. Yeah, you do. You're judging me right now. Y'all be judging me like hardcore too. So you, you, judging is okay. Condemning is a different thing. Condemning's not okay. We can't condemn, and thank God we can't condemn, right? Because if we could condemn, you know, y'all would have condemned me dozens of times, and I would have condemned almost every one of you at least one time, Okay. The ones of you that I know. The ones I don't know, just wait. I will condemn you at some point. So I I wouldn't condemn you because we can't condemn. That's what we should not condemn. We should judge. That is how we hold our brother and sister in Christ to the standard of the word. And that's how we hold ourselves to the standard of the word that we judge. So it it causes us to be uh, dependent on God and it causes us to be obedient to God. A part of the connection... Uh, between Jesus and the Father is based on Jesus living the life of obedience to the Father. In John 8, it says, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him." Wouldn't it be great if you could say of your life that you always do things that please God? Wouldn't it be great? It would be great. Can you just say once a day that you did one thing to please God? Just one thing. Wouldn't it be great if you could do that? We could all do that, right? Yes. How about half the day? How about We're all in different places. Some of you are like, nope, I don't even care. Okay, fine. And some of you are like, yeah, some. And then some of you are are really trying to submit your whole life. You're trying to be a disciple and submit your whole life to Jesus so that everything you do is pleasing to God. You're not there yet. And it's okay because, honestly, I'm going to just let you in a little secret. You're never going to be there, but strive for holiness. That's how you become more holy as he is holy, right? So our unity with one another ought to be connected to obedience and, and dependence. So we're learning to live a, depend, uh, a life that is dependent on God, and we're learning to live a life that is obedient to God. And unity comes from a common relationship that we have with God. In 1 John, it says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. This should be the basis for our, our unity with other Christians. So is there a fellowship, a relationship with God? So um, there, whenever we look at the church in general... And I'm not, I, like, I hate it whenever I, I have to say, because sometimes I have to say something negative. When, when a church is doing something that goes against the word of God, I say something about it. If they're doing something that's stylistically different, okay, more power to you. There may be there, uh, maybe other Christians that dress differently than you or sing differently than you. They may believe differently about the Holy Spirit. Like, some people are like, hey, they're weird, they speak in tongues. Or, hey, they're weird, they don't speak in tongues. It's like, you can find one side or the other those aren't the important things. There are some things that are important, but those are not the important things. There are three things that are vital, three things that are essential in order to be in unity in the body of Christ. One is that Jesus is the only way to heaven. The second one is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. And the third one is the Bible is the word of God. It's like a three-legged stool. If you take out one of those legs, the stool's going to fall over. You don't need to add any more legs to the stool either. Those are the three essential things. Other things are important. Everything in the Bible is important. But other things are important, but they're not essential. In order to be in unity with us, like that church that we had here last night, they don't believe identically to everything we believe, but they believe in those things. They believe in Jesus is the only way to heaven. They believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they believe that the Bible is the word of God. And so we can have fellowship with them. And that should be the standard that you use to if you can have fellowship with other Christians. Not do they wear skinny jeans? Because I wear skinny jeans. Not do they, like, not do they, like, do they, are they Cowboys fans? Because obviously they, they worship Satan if they do that. So um, <laughs> at least once a week, okay. John verse 21. He says that the, that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus said that the world, would, the world would get a better idea of who he was when they learned to operate in unity. Sadly, throughout the course of history, the church has not gotten along in unity. Um, not like it does now, because now they hardly ever argue. But the, the church, there's been several times throughout history. In 325 AD, the church held a council at Nicaea, and they, they were dealing with the, her, the heresies of Arius where he didn't believe that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were, were separate but equal. They were one but equal. And, and they believed that, that the Holy Spirit actually came from the Father and not from not that he was equal with the three. So they, that split the church. In 1054 AD, they had the Great Schism that took place, dividing the Eastern Orthodox Church from the Roman Catholic Church, and that division seemed mostly to be about who is going to rule over the church because people used to want power back in the old days. People used to be looking for power to, and, and who is going to rule. If you look at our church and you thought, who's in charge there? Who has power? You would be, it's not Randy, obviously. Is it Jessica? I don't, I don't know who's in charge there. Um, we're, not, we're not looking for power here. I'm not, I'm not trying to rule anyone. I literally am trying to figure out how can I serve them? What can I do to serve them? How can I love and serve them? And I only do that because that's what I saw my Jesus do. So I'm trying to serve and love them. I'm trying to serve and love you because that's what Jesus did. And so that's how I'm trying to lead the church. It seems to work. Um, The church has been around for a long time because Jesus is leading it. And then, let's go to uh, 1517. You may have heard about 1517 before. Um, this guy named Martin Luther tacked up his 95 Theses on the door at Wittenberg, and he, it led to the Protestant Reformation, splitting the Roman Catholic Church. And his, his reformation of the way the, the Catholic Church was in power, and they were ruling with an iron fist, and they said no one could come to God except through us. And, and Martin Luther wrote, no, this is about grace through faith. Like, read the Bible. It's about um, the, the abuses that had developed with all of those church leaders looking for power, kind of like the Pharisees. And then if you, if you fast forward uh, 17 more years, in 1534, the Church of England broke from the Roman Catholic Church because the Pope refused to give um, Henry VIII a divorce from his wife. So y'all know who Henry VIII is, right? I, Henry VIII, I am. You remember the song? <laughs> Y'all want to sing it together? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to sing it. No. So, um, so, Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wife and marry another woman. The other woman's name was Anne Boleyn. And um, if you like, so, so they split the church so that he could do that, the Church of England, so that he could do that. And Anne Boleyn, just three years later, lost, literally, literally lost her mind. <laughs> if you know, that's funny. She was beheaded. Three years later, she was beheaded. So when I said she lost her mind, head chopped. Okay. So it's not when when there's not unity in the church. It's not always bad. Um, but the 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 when there's a break, it has to be based on the truth of the word because the Bible never changes. Jesus Christ. I'm just making this up. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I just made that up. I shouldn't. Oh, no, it's there on the wall there. (laughs) Jesus is the same. The word of God never changes. People go all over. People go bananas. But the word of God never changes. And therefore, we need to base everything that we believe not off of what I say, not off of what somebody else says, but off of what the Bible says. And if you find me saying something that the Bible doesn't say, you confront me about it. You can call me out. Don't do it in front of everyone, please. But you can call me out. I don't mind it at all because you're not going to hurt my feelings. I'm doing what I believe the Lord is telling me to do. So, verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. We will be glorified. In Colossians 3, he says, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The hard thing is that Glory seems so far from our daily lives, right? Like you're, you're getting the kids up and getting them ready for school. That is not a glorious moment. Or you're driving in traffic. Anytime you go downtown New Brunswick and you start going on the circle thing, you're not thinking, Glory to God, this works perfectly. You're thinking, These people are from out of town. <laughs> the glory should, our lives should be filled with glory. In Second Corinthians, he says this therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, you know, everything that every affliction you are facing in on this planet is light affliction. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It may be tough right now, but there will be a day when the difficulties of this life will be over and we are in that glorious spot with the Lord. No matter if you have Jesus residing in your spirit, if you in your soul, if you are someone who has decided to follow Jesus, one day you will get to be with him. Isn't that great? Y'all are so excited. One person said amen. It's kind of low. Like one day, I think about this all the time, especially when I'm doing the circle in downtown. I think about this all the time, that one day... All of this will be gone and I will get to celebrate. I will get to sing with Jesus. I will get to look him in the face and be singing to him. It is going to be a glorious, glorious day. We can always look forward to that, that one day we will be in full glory in heaven. We get to look forward to heaven. No matter what, we get to look forward to heaven. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. When life gets hard, remember. You get heaven in the end. So whatever small issue is coming against you in this life, it's just a moment, and we get heaven in the end. And that's a good thing, right? In verse 23, I and them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Made perfect means that we will be brought to maturity, brought to fullness. Unif- so unity and maturity are not these separate ideas. They're actually the same idea. And so in, in the, the New Living Translation, it says, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So what does mature unity look like? It, it, it seems that, that oftentimes we draw these lines in the sand and we say, like sometimes we draw the line really close to us. Like there's a line, say anybody on the other side of the line, I can't be in unity with them. They're not my brother or sister. I can't, I can't be unified with them because they don't believe the way I believe. And a lot of times, let's just talk to Life Church in particular. Okay, a lot of times that line you draw in the sand is a political line. Whenever you look at a map, like there are things that are called natural lines and political lines. The political lines are the lines that were drawn by man, right? Y'all know that they're called political lines. It's not like it's not like Democrat Republican. Your lines are, but those political lines you say. Look, if they if they believe differently than me, then I can't. I, I just can't be in fellowship with them because uh, they they're they're not even saved. They're not even Christian. We will discard live church people in particular. Will discard people and say, "Look, you can't. We can't be in unity." Somebody that says, "You know, I'm not. I'm not either side politically. I'm just in the middle." You're like, "I don't want to have anything to do with you then, because you have to take my side. You have to be on the, the right side, right? <laughs> you have to be on you. If you're not a like, if you're not a conservative and you believe all the same things I believe, then we can't, unless you agree with me about everything, then we can't be in fellowship. We can't be, we can't have a united heart. In, in church, it happens where people will say, look, we have to agree with, with everything. If you and I sat down to talk and we're just sitting on coffee and we're just talking about what we believe about things in life, we are not going to agree on 100% of things, I promise you. I promise you. You're going to be like, you really believe that when you talk to me? And yes, I do. I believe that. Whatever the thing is, we are not going to agree on everything. In the churches, people will fight and, and disagree with all kinds of... And they think, we have to agree with everything, including like the color of the... Look how cool this wood looks. Isn't that awesome? Sebastian did that this week, and it looks great. And if you don't... If you're going to clap, clap. It's really awesome. So... Um, If you don't agree that this is good, shut up. I don't care. It looks really good. I think it's awesome. He is also for hire, just so you know. Um, (laughs) He's right here if you need something really awesome done in your house. So um, sometimes we draw lines really close to us and say you have to believe everything I believe about everything, and then we can be in unity. And sometimes we draw lines that are way too far from us. About look, everybody can be. Aren't we all just children of God? No. Let me be clear on something. Everyone is not a child of God. You're you're a creation of God, absolutely, but you don't become a child of God until you are adopted into his family by the blood of Jesus. That is how you become a child of God. How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. We are adopted into his family. Whenever you look at uh, people that say, "Look, everyone is just part of the." We're, you remember the song, "We Are the World." We are the world. Remember that in the 80s? Like, remember, y'all remember that? No, we are not. We are not. We are not all one family. We are not all one. We cannot be unified with everyone because we are not all children of God. I am not saying that we don't reach out to people of other faiths. Let me just point out the way that we do church here at Life Church is. I say, this is what the Bible says. Do what the Bible says. And I don't mean like w- what we believe about, about controversial subjects, controversial topics in culture, what we believe about homosexuality, what we believe about abortion, what we believe about what people call transgender things. We believe what the Bible says, and that's, that's our standard. Culture, what culture says doesn't matter. What the Bible says matters. And so I tell you, to do what the Bible says. And we are called Christian extremists because of that. We are like way outside of, of mainstream Christianity because we believe the word of God. Now, if we were to take a, a, a Muslim church, whatever they call it, a Muslim church, a mosque, and and they had someone doing what I'm doing for Christianity. And they said, look, you, you take the Quran and you do what the Quran tells you and you believe the traditions and the values of what the Quran teaches you. And you... And you do everything that it says. So if somebody does that for them, they absolutely hate you, Christian. They want you dead, and they would literally, literally, the people that that believe it truly, they would kill you if they could get away with it and not go to jail. They hate you that much. And those are the people that culture says, look, I asked ChatGPT the other day. Y'all don't think I write these sermons, right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. That would be funny. I asked ChatGPT, I was like, um, do Muslims hate Christians? And then it tries to like, it tries to soften it up. Look, don't, don't believe in the extremist version of, like, there, of course there are some extremists, but, but Muslims in general do not hate Christians. Muslims that are trying to follow what their religion teaches do, they hate you, and they want you dead. They are not our brothers and sisters. We cannot be unified with them. It doesn't mean that we don't reach out in love To try to draw them to God, who is Jesus. Of course, we reach out, but they don't stand with us when it comes to proclaiming the truth of who God is. They will try to convince you that they worship the same God. Jesus is that God that we worship. And so we worship him. and, And they believe that Jesus was a prophet. They do not believe the way we believe. Neither do Buddhists, neither do Jehovah's Witness, neither do Mormons. The, all of those people don't believe what we believe about Jesus. So they are, even a lot of, not all, but a lot of Catholics don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Therefore, they, they cannot be in fellowship with us. Many can. I would even say most can. But many don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. So who are you willing to claim unity with? It ought to be people, the people that you are willing to claim unity with are people that believe Jesus is the only way to heaven, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, and that the Bible is the word of God. If they believe those things, we can have unity with them, right? Sometimes we unite over the wrong things, and we call close unity over the wrong things. Um, I heard that this lady was telling this story about her her, um, her granddaughter. She said her granddaughter came and said, Grandma, I have, I have friends that go to all kinds of different churches that are really close friends of mine. Um, and and that's, that's, it really doesn't matter if we go to different churches, right? It only matters if we're Republicans, right? <laughs> 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 the grandma's like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, our unity should be over the fact that we serve the same Lord. And that Lord is Jesus. It's crazy to not get along with each other that are part of the body of Christ. There's so much fragmentation in the body of Christ, in the in the church. The church in America will divide over the most ridiculous things. One of the big things that that I've seen in the last couple of years is um, the role of women in ministry. If you don't believe that women can be anywhere in ministry, then I need you to understand what kind of church you're in right now. We're in a four-square church. Four-square was founded by a woman. (laughs) I'm out of here! (laughs) I hope you don't leave. So these people will take... They don't look at what the entire Bible preaches. They'll take two verses that are taken out of context... In the, there are two verses. One of them says women should be quiet in the church. I talked about that a few weeks ago. If you, I don't know if you all know we have a podcast. You can go back and listen. Um, so, and, and, there, and, and so it says ask your husbands at home if you have a question. So shut up, women. Um, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's what the Bible says, okay? Just don't get mad at me. Paul said it first, Okay. <laughs> And, and then they take these verses, and they take them out of context. All throughout the Bible, there's women in leadership positions. And they take these two verses out of context, and they say, look, women can't, women can't have any role. And then they develop, and then they split churches over the whole, the whole thing. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. The Bible is the word of God. If it's not those things, the church shouldn't split. If it is those things, Adios. Like, if you, if you don't believe those things, bye. Like, th- those are the most important things. Those are the essential things. I will literally argue until my face turns blue about these three things. The other things, I'll tell you what I think and then be like, you're wrong. And then we'll be, move on. So um, there was this, uh, this insane asylum, and there's this wall around the insane asylum, and uh, this guy hears... These people are going, 13, 13, 13. And he hears it, and he's like, what is happening? 13, 13, 13. And he's walking by, and he's like, there's a sidewalk outside, and and he's like, there's a little hole in the fence. So he's like, oh, I'm going to go see what they're, 13, 13. He looks in the hole, and then, boom, they poke him with a stick right in the eye. And then they're like, 14, 14, 14, (laughs) 14. Tony Evans said this. He said, A man was visiting an insane asylum one day, and he noticed that all the insane people were being watched by only one guard. He asked the guard, Aren't you afraid? The guard said, Absolutely not. He said, Don't you believe that that since you're the only one here, these people could overrun you and break out of the asylum? And he said, That's impossible. The man asked, Why is that impossible? And the guard replied, Because lunatics don't unite. So if I'm a person who doesn't want to get along with other Christians and put our differences behind us, what does that make me? A lunatic. We have to unite. Our enemy in our culture is winning. And you know why? It's because the church is not united. I mean, I can tell you the church is not united, the church in, in the community is not united, but I can tell you our church is not united we don't have people that hate other people in our church we really don't as as far as i know we don't y'all could be hating each other and i don't even know and it's fine don't tell the principal okay whatever (laughs) but our church is not united in that there are many of you who call this church your home church you have been attending here you're not giving you're not serving you're not going out and bringing people to church And and if you're still trying to figure out if this is your church, that's fine. I'm not trying to compel you to do those things. But if this is your church, you need to be giving. You need to be you need to be serving. I don't know. Do y'all know we have an opportunity for you to serve in the kids (laughs) department? Have I mentioned? I've mentioned that, yeah. And and you need to be bringing people here. Not that there's any way for them to sit most of the time, but you need to be bringing them here. Okay. And and when we're united. We understand the purpose of why we're here. You have friends that have sworn off church. They said, I'm never going back to church because they had a bad experience at church. Those are the people we want. Those are the people, because they're gonna come here and they're gonna be like, well, this is different. We don't, we're not nailing it. We don't have it all down. Guys, I've said this a million times and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just doing what the Lord tells me to do. We are healthy. And we're healthy because we're reliant on the Lord. And we're never not going to be. The day that, I, that y'all think that I'm, I'm giving the impression that I figured it out and I'm doing it, please go somewhere else because I've become a different person and I don't want you following me. But I'll tell you, I don't know nothing, guys. And the more I learn, the more I know I don't know nothing. So we are healthy in bring broken Christians here because that's what we do. We help broken Christians get healthy. And then sometimes they go back to the place where they got broke so that they can help other broken Christians. So I'm not trying to get rid of you. I want you to stay here forever because I love you. But um, bring broken people here because they'll get healthy again. Okay? Many of you know that this is true because it's you. You know that this has happened because it's you. So there's a few, a couple of results of unity that Jesus talks about. The first one is evangelism. When we become mature in our unity, part of of that reason is so that the world would know. And John 13, he says, A new command I give you, that you will love one another just as I have loved you, so you should love one another. Because the world will see the way that you love one another, and they will know that you belong to me because of that. Now, that means... Everybody in our church, we should be displaying that we love one another and that we are serving one another. And when people outside of our church see the way that we love each other, they're like, I got to figure that out. I got to know what's going on there. I remember visiting a church several years ago. Whenever we were on vacation at the last church I worked at, whenever we were on vacation, it was part of the policy that we had to go to another church on that Sunday. So uh, we went to Second Baptist in Houston, an enormous church because I love Ed Young. And so we went to that church, and when we went, I had a mohawk at the time. I had torn up jeans. I was a hardcore thug, okay? I used to be cool, guys. <laughs> and, and so I, I went to the church. No one talked to me because I looked different, and no one talked to me. But they definitely talked to each other, and they somehow it, it felt like they all knew each other. Nobody wanted to know me. Even I sat in the front row of the second section so that people had to walk by me and see me because I wanted people to talk to me. And they do this thing where they're like, all right, everybody, get up and greet someone you haven't seen before. And so everybody gets up and just nobody talked to me. Like, nobody talked to me. And, and it was fine, but I would have gone back there to see how they know each other and and how did y'all get to love one another? Because I I, I didn't understand it. The church was, there were several thousand people there and they all seemed to know each other. And you know what the answer to that was? I found out later. 80% of that church is involved in their small groups. That's how they knew each other. We also have life groups, but that's another commercial. already asked you to work with the kids. So (laughs) I can only do one hardcore infomercial per sermon. Whenever I say we should love one another inside the church, but we should also love our brothers and sisters at other churches, we should be willing to serve them, and we should be willing to uh, to invite them to come into our building and use our building to have worship nights because they don't have a building yet. So the second thing is, the first thing is evangelism, and the second thing is that it would display God's love, the God, the love that God has for us. When we learn to put down our, our arms and to not be in battle against our brothers and sisters, that... God's love is demonstrated through us. In 1 John 3, it says, By this we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We should be willing to lay down our lives for each other, and not just each other in this room, but each other in the body of Christ, right? Verse 24, Father, I desire, Jesus, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given for me, or given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus prays that we will be with him. Can you imagine on that glorious day when we get to enter heaven, Jesus comes up to you, and he puts his arm around you and say, let me show you where I was before the foundations of the world. Let me show you what where, to look at. he was in heaven, and he put on flesh so that you could know God so that you could be in heaven the the price that was paid for us to be there too that Jesus would come he is the one that that always was and that is and that is to come he wasn't created in order to he was created on earth to Come and to pay the price for your sin. And in 1 Thessalonians, it says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. God didn't create you for hell. He didn't create you for wrath. He died for our sins so that we could live with him. The, the promise that was made, John 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. He promised to prepare a place for, that, so that we could go and be with God. And that prayer was pra- prayed here in this text. If Jesus prayed for... Prayed this for us. Don't you think that God will answer that prayer? Oh, I'm sorry, y'all thought that was rhetorical. <laughs> if if he's going to answer any prayer, don't you think he's going to answer Jesus' prayer? Yes, of course he is. The ending of chapter 17. O righteous father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known you. Talking about the disciples, have known that. You sent me, and I've declared to them your name, and will declare it that the love that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in you. We've talked many times about how a person's name actually describes their character. It's crazy how that happens. And Jesus is perfectly declaring the name of God, declaring what God is like. He speaks about the truth of God and the truth about who he is and how he is. The goal for this truth is that we might experience the love of God in truth and in unity. Truth without love is brutality. So, whenever I think of this, you know who I think of every time? It's Simon Cowell. You know, when they go on American Idol and those people, I don't know how they make it to be on TV, they're such bad singers. And, and they, they go in there, and he's like, you are possibly the worst singer I have ever heard. And there's no love in that. Some of you think, I would really like to sing on the worship team. Come and try out. I really want to be Simon Cowell. I'm going to be like, wow, you're terrible. You should not ever sing. Not- you shouldn't even sing in the shower. It should be illegal for you to sing. No, I wouldn't say that. But truth, like without love, is just brutal. But love without truth is hypocrisy. When you love people and don't confront, you don't love them. That's a lie. That's fake. As we grow to understand the importance of unity, it's also important to know where the limits are. Unity doesn't mean that we're silent when a brother or sister strays away from the truth. If, we, if you really do love them, then you have to speak truth to them. The gospel must be shared. You have to, Jesus is the way. Jesus not only is Jesus the way; Jesus is the only way. So Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." So if someone at the end of their life doesn't go to the Father, where do they go? Why are you so reluctant? They either go to heaven or hell. That's not my opinion. That's not my desire. That is what the Lord says. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I want. It's heaven or hell. Those are the only two options. So in the last probably 15, 20 years, hell and the justice of God have been under attack. That People, are, people say now, God, uh, how could a loving God Send someone to hell to be in agony. I just can't believe in hell because a loving God could never do that. Let me just resolve this. Have you ever heard anything like that in your life? Okay, so let me resolve this for you. It's super simple. God has never and will never ever send anyone to hell. God never sends anyone to hell. People choose hell. You choose it. And our God is so loving and just and righteous that he allows us to choose. He doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't force you to love him. He doesn't force you to go to heaven. If you want hell, you can choose hell. And you can have that for all eternity. If that's what you want. He allows you to have what you choose. No one that's hearing my voice will ever be able to say, I didn't know. You do know. Right now, you know. You choose heaven or you choose hell. And so we are supposed to be people that are displaying what God is like, displaying God's love, displaying his justice, displaying his righteousness and his holiness. We're supposed to live lives that are attractive to people that don't know God so that these people that are perishing and that are on their way to hell apart from God, that they would know him. Don't assume that most people know God. Don't assume that the people in your life that you're like, of course they've, they've heard the gospel. I don't need to tell them they've already heard it. Don't assume that because the Bible says, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are very few that find it. We are part of the very few that have found it. Unity doesn't mean that we stop telling the truth to one another. Paul talks about it in, in what does it look like in the context of truth. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Meaning, until you're just like Christ, this is going to be a process. We're going to keep going at it until you are perfectly like Christ. Raise your hand if you're perfectly like Christ. Good job. I was just asking you. Just Jim. Jim. He's... In Christ, he's perfect like Christ, but he's probably the closest in real life. So, um, We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Hey, Christian, don't forget that when you speak the truth and you call somebody out, don't forget that in love part because y'all forgot that part. We forget that part. I'm probably the worst one at this because I'll tell you when you're doing something wrong, not always in love. I mean to, like, I'll tell you that I'm saying it in love, but I'm saying it because you are knucklehead and you need to hear it. Speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. Paul links unity with maturity, but only as we learn to speak the truth to each other in love. So I'll ask you, do you believe in Jesus Christ today? Jesus came to save you from your own sin. And God loved you so much that he sent his son to pay that price for your sin. Any, If you've told one lie in your life, you're a sinner. And you need to be saved from the wages of sin, which is death. Jesus came to pay the price for your sin so that you could come to know God and you need to believe that, but believing is only part of it. There's also the part where you're living your way and you're doing things your way and it's called repentance. You're turning from your way and you're turning towards God's way, meaning you are going to do it his way. Whenever, maybe you're in here today and you've you've heard it a thousand times, but you, you can't point back in your life to the moment that you decided to follow Jesus. Today's your day. Today's the day that you're gonna say that November 19th, 2023 is the day that I decided to follow Jesus. I repented turning from my way and I turned toward his way. Now, when you repent, some people will if you repent today, today's the first time you repent, and you say, I'm gonna follow Jesus my whole life. I'm gonna do it right. I'm gonna I'm gonna find out what he wants for me to do, and I'm gonna do those things. You could actually need to repent again before you even stand up out of your chair. You could sin again. And then you stand up and you could sin again. And then you could go to walk out the door and somebody gets in your way and you could sin again and again and again. So you know what you do, Christian? Whenever you sin, you repent and 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 then the more you repent the less you'll have to repent the more you 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 turn your life back over to him the more you turn back to him the less you'll turn away from him because you'll see that his way literally is better even if we didn't have heaven waiting for us in the end his way to live is just a better way to live it's better here on earth You've heard people talk about, and I know I'm not talking to everyone in the room, but I'm talking to someone, or maybe you're listening to the podcast and I'm talking to you. I know there are people that listen to our podcast that can't say that moment is the moment that I, that I turned my heart over. I turned my life over to Jesus. And I want to tell you right now, if this is your moment, that it would be The time that you say, this is the time. I believe in Jesus and I'm repenting. I'm turning to God. Today is the day that I'm turning to God and I'm going to repent and I'm going to give him my life. And I know that I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to turn to him every time I'm not. If you're listening online, if you're watching on Facebook, let us know. If you made that choice, if you're in this room, we're going to pray in a minute. And when I pray, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If that's you, no one's going to be looking at you. No one's going to be judging you in a bad way, but we're going to give you the opportunity to respond to that. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you make a way for us to know you, to be in your presence. We know that if we, as, as imperfect sinners, Were to enter the presence of a perfect and holy God that you would no longer be perfect. So we can't be in your presence unless we too are perfect. And we know that you made a way for us to be seen as perfect in your eyes by having our sins washed in the blood of Jesus. And and Lord, I know there are people in here want to commit to following you from this point forward. And I would just ask, if that's you, all you have to do is just raise your hand, let me see your hand, And that you're going to follow Jesus with your whole life from this point forward. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that this is a moment that people can look back on. That there are people listening online right now that I know don't have a relationship with you. That it's so simple. You make it so simple to know you and to be made right in your eyes. That all we have to do is believe that Jesus is your son and repent We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you continue to to call this church, Life Church, to help Christians be healed. We thank you that you're calling unsaved people to to come into our building and to come into our lives so that they can know you. We thank you, Lord, and we know that, that the best is yet to come, and we want to be completely and totally submitted to you, that we would continue to be a light in this community. We thank you, Lord. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys.